I didn't think that was a question that was relevant. I think if you say I have to have gluten free, you should treat every gluten free order the same and it should be as if it was a celiac person ordering it. Welcome to the Silent Elephant Project podcast, where we have conversations with everyday people living with life-limiting health conditions. We are not claiming to be specialists, but we are offering a therapeutic space to build dialogue around marginalised health themes, giving you the opportunity to listen in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, dear listeners. Hope you're having a good day. I'm Kondwani, and today I will be speaking to Melanie, who runs our Instagram Feed the Celiac, where she raises awareness of celiac disease and shares places to eat. Celiac disease is a serious illness where the body's immune system attacks its own tissues when you eat gluten. This causes damage to the lining of the gut and means the body can't properly absorb nutrients from food. One in a hundred people in the UK has celiac disease. So today you will hear from Melanie who was diagnosed with celiac disease at the age of 21 and what impact it has had on her life. Hi, I'm Melanie. Uh, I currently live in Disbury in Manchester, originally from Disley, which is in Cheshire. I am a history teacher in a school in Stockport and I have celiac disease. I have an Instagram called Feed the Celiac where I try and post sort of recipes and restaurant reviews and hints and tips and there's a really good support network on Instagram for people with other allergies so I'll, I'll probably be referencing a lot of those as well later in this podcast. Brilliant um, thank you thank you that's well you know uh, telling as well with the work that you do and the fact that you live in such a health condition. Obviously what is celiac and what would you personally describe celiac? Okay, so celiac disease is an autoimmune disease. Um, I think there's a big misconception that it's an intolerance or it's an allergy. It's not an allergy in the sense of it's anaphylactic. So if, if someone with celiac basically can't eat gluten, which is things like wheat or barley or rye or certain oats. So it means I have to be really, really careful with my diet. I have to follow a gluten-free diet, very strict gluten-free diet. So not even a single crumb of gluten can pass through my system. Uh, otherwise, my body will basically attack itself. And there are microvilli in my intestines, um, and they look like little fingers. That If they're healthy, they look like fingers, which means that they can absorb all the nutrients that my body needs. However, with celiac disease, my, my microvilli start to get damaged and um, that means that people with celiac if they eat gluten they can't absorb the nutrients that they need for a healthy body and if that's not treated if that's not managed well with a gluten-free diet that can lead to really horrific long-term health issues such as sort of osteoporosis so affecting your bones anemia even certain types of cancer it can also you know if, if you're a pregnant woman that can that can affect having a healthy baby so basically my immune system would attack gluten but it would attack my body as well so that's it's it's really careful that i have to be really really careful with anything that i eat to make sure that i'm not ingesting anything I, that could possibly harm me wow i mean that's <laughs> that's crazy that's a lot of uh, navigating to do i mean a lot of foods you know right now as we speak in the moment now modern time it's pretty, pretty much wheat and gluten so yeah. That must be very, very challenging. Um, how do you manage that? It was it was tough. It means I have to be very careful when I'm shopping. Um, I have to read everything 
maybe three or four times just to make sure that I haven't missed anything. And sometimes I have, and I feel really silly afterwards for having made such a stupid mistake because normally I am so careful. So I just have to make sure anything I buy doesn't have any gluten or any reference to anything that might have gluten in it. So I have to know what has gluten in it. Luckily, a lot of packaging has allergens in bold. So normally I can just scan for any words in bold or underlined and that often helps especially in this country i think it's it's law that in this country any allergens have to be stated really obviously oh, yeah. so that makes that makes it easier for me to spot a lot of supermarkets especially tesco and asda uh, sainsbury's all, all the sort of big supermarkets do special ranges for people you know who have allergies so gluten-free lactose-free dairy-free nut-free so often there's big sections in supermarkets with gluten-free things in them which is great. So I can go there and that's where I get my cereals, my pastas, uh, flowers for baking because I do like baking. But there is also things in everyday aisles. So things like meat should be technically gluten-free unless it's been padded out with things like flour, which sometimes it can. And that's that's why you have to be really careful because it can sneak up on you in things that you don't expect. So that's sort of on a regular basis. I, I have to check that really, really carefully. And eating out is often quite tricky because if I'm at home, I'm preparing my own food. I have my own part of the kitchen where I know that everything I cook is safe for me. Mm-hmm. My partner doesn't doesn't always eat gluten-free. He has a little toaster in the corner where he can eat his bread, normal <laughs> bread, as we call it. Most, most of the time, my kitchen's safe. But obviously, when we go out and we eat, I'm not in control of the kitchen. I'm not in control of the cleaning process and the cooking process. So, and again, I'll probably talk about that later on in a bit more detail, but that's yeah. something I'm, I'm always a bit anxious about. To start off with, it was very tricky learning what I could and couldn't have. And I always had a list on my phone or in my paper so I could take that around shopping with me. But now I'm a little bit more savvy and I know what to look for a little bit more, a little bit quicker now. But I still have to be careful because things can always change and labels could always change. So it's just something I have to be constantly aware of, which can be a bit draining sometimes, just constantly oh. checking everything. But most of the time, it's definitely it's definitely getting better. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I was a bit curious in that sense. Obviously, we're going to delve more into detail because personally, I'm um, gluten intolerant, but really mildly. And so I, I am aware of, you know, the gluten-free section. aisles in Tesco's, for example, and other yeah. other shops, Sainsbury's. But then when, uh, as, as you've uncovered how it is for you, how serious it is and it's an allergy, I was really thinking so how do you actually manage day to day and obviously you've highlighted on that so I was very very curious to, to hear <laughs> more from your side in a sense what has been your diagnosis story you know how did it all kick off <laughs> I feel like my diagnosis story is really different to other people whenever I see people on Instagram talking about their story and how they became diagnosed it's always that they had really bad tummy trouble and you know sometimes it takes majors to get a diagnosis I actually feel like I was pretty lucky I was at university in my second year of university I I actually thought I had diabetes so I went to the doctors and they offered me a blood test and it it wasn't diabetes I I actually had really bad anemia so I was iron deficient and I just presumed it was because I was a student and all I was eating was pasta and drinking lots of drinks that I shouldn't probably have been drinking as much as, you know, That's being a student. Life, <laughs> yeah. So probably not looking after myself as best as I could. So I just presumed it was that. And they gave me some iron tablets and over the summer I didn't seem to get much better and the iron tablets actually made me feel worse. So I went back after that and they sort of said, oh, well, it's not improved your anemia, so we'll keep, we'll keep track on you, but you might have celiac disease. So I didn't really know what that was. I kind of had a, an idea that it was 
something about not eating bread, which I wasn't very fond of, the idea of not being able to eat bread. So I sort of put it off and put it off and I was like, oh no, she'll be fine. Um, and then it was right in the summer of my final year of university. So probably about June 2015, I finally got a blood test and they said, yeah, it looks like you've got the antibodies that suggest, I think it's antibodies, that suggest you've got celiac disease. Because obviously when my body attacks itself, it's obviously releasing something in my blood and I had to go to the hospital near university and get um, an endoscopy so they put a camera down my throat and go oh, into yeah. my intestines very um, <laughs> have you had one done as well? I have yeah, I did back then when they diagnosed me with ME oh, in Leeds at the time and yeah it's an experience it's That's not pleasant cool. They, they, they offered me um, if I wanted to general anaesthetic and be knocked out yep. or whether they'd just give me like a numbing throat spray. And because I had about a week left of university, I didn't want to miss any any time. So I was like, no, just just do the spray so I don't have to be wiped out for 24 hours. It wasn't pleasant. And they push air down your throat in order to make the room yes. for the camera. And I yes. was like burping up all this gas. And the nurse was really lovely. And he was there like, holding my hand and just being really reassuring. And the doctor, she said, oh, yeah, that's definitely celiac. I can see it straight away. And they took a bite biopsy and uh, so scrape some of my cells and I think I still got the picture somewhere of my intestines and again rather than having like fingers that look really healthy for my yeah. microvilli they were all like flat and actually they're inverted because that's how badly damaged my intestines were from having eaten gluten wow. for 21 years so yeah straight away they basically told me yeah you've got celiac disease and we'll be in touch and they said yeah you need to start eating a gluten-free diet pretty much straight away so it was kind of odd because I hadn't really realised there was anything wrong with my digestive system. But looking back, having been healthy since then, I could definitely tell that I wasn't right <laughs> and mm. things weren't right. But I just presumed it was me being a student and drinking and eating things I probably shouldn't. But yeah, that, that's why I ended up getting diagnosed. So I was quite lucky because I don't think I'd ever would have gone to the doctor with anything else linked to it. And it just happened that the, the doctor's where I was at university, we're really good at catching it. So I'm very thankful to them. That's brilliant, because I was gonna ask you as well, like, do you, do you know what caused your situation, your celiac? So I believe it's genetic. So okay. I must have inherited some sort of gene. I know my mum had thyroid problems. So she had problems with her thyroid gland, I think it is. So she, she's gone from hyperthyroid to hypothyroid. So she flips between between overactive and underactive yeah. um, and I think there is a genetic link between thyroid disease and because that's also an autoimmune disease and okay. this celiac but all my family have been tested since I was diagnosed and none of them have celiac disease whether they have any symptoms of intolerance possibly but they don't have celiac disease so I've obviously just got some sort of gene for it <laughs> lucky <laughs> me but apparently I, I was looking into it apparently it can be passed on to children or other family like you know if I was to have children it would be passed on to them possibly it's highly likely so yeah I think I guess it's just in my genes <laughs> fair enough I guess what you mean for me you seem very upbeat and obviously you're very optimistic and positive pretty much I would have never known that you know you've got celiac <laughs> disease even on even your Instagram posts but obviously we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> talk more about that so you know thinking of that uh, how does your average day go um, oh, thank you for calling me upbeat, because I'd like to think that I am. I feel like, especially when I hear other people's stories of illnesses that they've got and things that they're battling with, I actually think, again, I'm fairly lucky that I've they only got celiac disease. It is, it is a bit of a hurdle, but I feel like I know that I'm not going to, if I ingest it, it's not great, but I know I'm not going to go into anaphylactic shock and die or be at risk of hospitalisation. It's just going to be very uncomfortable for me. So I'm quite lucky, and I know other people that have multiple 
allergies and multiple intolerances and they can't eat lots of different things and again I'm quite lucky that it's just I know what it is that I can't eat and some people are still struggling to find out what it is that makes them feel ill so again that's probably why I'm so upbeat because I know I'm fairly fairly lucky on an average day uh, so obviously being a teacher on a weekday I, I pack up my lunch before I go to bed the night before and I take it with me I tend to take my own lunch because again it's just easier for me to control what I eat I love gluten-free porridge so I uh, always make a gluten-free porridge in the morning and again there's great gluten-free cereals out there but I tend to stick with porridge because there's less sugar in it and things like that and then I take my salads and I have my lunch at work and and then I come home and I cook dinner so again like it's just work 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 and then at the weekend maybe I'll go out to eat somewhere again I have to do a lot of research before I go anywhere to eat and I often contact restaurants before I go just to check it's okay but okay. again see that actually these shouldn't really interfere if I'm if I'm following a gluten free diet I can just live an absolutely normal life and that's absolutely just fine but again if I was to ingest anything that I shouldn't I could have really bad tummy cramps or spend a lot of time on the toilet or being sick so my average day should be just like anybody else's except I'm eating gluten free versions of what other people probably eat normal versions of luckily it shouldn't it doesn't really interfere with my activities on a daily basis so again that again that's why I feel so lucky and so when you take your own you know lunch each and every time to work you know you say you're a teacher what do your fellow you know colleagues think do that or even students I don't know where you see it and how you see it (laughs) I often tell students that I try and drop it in that I'm gluten-free fairly early on just in case just in case they ever buy me a present (laughs) you know (laughs) Christmas or to say thank you and it it has happened that they've bought me gluten-free things because they know luckily wine is gluten-free so I can drink that Uh, (laughs) I'm always appreciative of that yeah some people I think some people if they do notice that I might be eating from a, a pot that says like free from on it so some of them might look at me and go oh what's that sometimes I feel quite rude if someone brings in cakes or biscuits or things and I don't take one because obviously I can't eat it I don't want people to think I'm just being rude and go like oh why is she not having it or they might see me checking labels and again I think they think I'm looking for calories or something and it's, it's not that it's I'm checking what's in it I think people look at me like that a bit weirdly in the supermarket as well I'm always paranoid people think I'm checking for mm. like vain reasons and I'm not it's not it's because I'm checking what's in it in in the food but people are really understanding and people even say oh I've seen this in the supermarket have you tried it and actually they they suggest things to me that they've seen or they suggest restaurants that they've been to they go oh they had a really great gluten-free section at, at this restaurant I went to the other night you should try it so actually people are really supportive and I think people are also worried about poisoning me so they often take the time to to learn what I can and can't have. So, yeah. again, that's why I feel so upbeat about it because people are so helpful and understanding. Yeah, because I was going to ask, which my next question um, is that, you know, how does living with celiac impact your life? So, initially, I was really scared to eat anything <laughs> because I was so adjusting to what I can and can't have. Eating out is, is still fairly stressful. And I still think I could be more confident going into a restaurant and saying, I, you know, I need this, I, I can't have this. And even feeling confident to walk out if I don't think I'm going to be catered for properly. So that's something I'm anxious of. Luckily, my partner and my family members, they often stick up for me better than I do. And they'll be like, no, she's not eating that. Or no, she can't have that. Or no, we're going to go. So again, I feel like having educated them and them, them being so careful with me, that, that helps. And I think having been in lockdown for so long and having cooked my own food for however many months it was, suddenly going out to restaurants again felt very weird and I sort of forgot how to communicate my dietary needs to them. 
Okay. So I kind of forgot to say, right, I need to do this. I need, to, I need this. I can't have this. I also discovered that saying I'm celiac in a restaurant is better than saying I'm gluten free because if they don't know what celiac is, I'm already thinking, right, I don't feel safe eating here. And also I think they automatically take it a bit more seriously if I say I've got celiac disease. So gluten-free just means anyone that doesn't eat gluten. So for example, it might be a lifestyle choice. So it might be, I just don't want to eat gluten because I don't like the, the grain or it doesn't agree with me. Or someone like yourself who's gluten intolerant, so they might not feel well after it. Whereas celiac is, it's because it's an actual diagnosed disease, I can't have any cross-contamination. So for example, if I go somewhere and they fry things in oil, for example, chips is always the big one. So if they fry chips in, in oil, but they also have something like, I don't know, calamari that's battered in flour, mm-hmm. I couldn't have the chips because the gluten particles or molecules or whatever it is can pass through the oil and, and onto the chips and then I can't eat those. Wow. So I think as soon as they say, so a gluten-free person who's not got celiac disease probably could eat those and be fine. I couldn't. So I think as soon as I say celiac, they all, all of a sudden think very seriously that they can't give me anything. And again, I think they think of it as an allergy and that she'll go into like anaphylactic shock and she'll, you know, die and, or something, which isn't the case, but they still need to take it seriously because I can't have anything damaging my gut. So I feel like saying I'm celiac in a restaurant, either they know what it is and they'll take it very seriously, or if they don't know what it is, I know that I should probably get out and not, not eat there. So that's one little tip I found quite helpful because it, straight away I can assess whether I'm going to be okay and it, it just is a little little tip but I think it makes a lot of difference and they know that it's a medical condition not just a lifestyle choice all right yeah. now, now it's clear in my mind I, I feel like with people with with gluten intolerance or people who are gluten-free or don't 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 eat gluten very well I think that has helped supermarkets and other restaurants create more gluten-free things so I think because there's been a bit more of a need for it that's been good because it means there's more demand so there's more supply whereas you know before even when I I was only diagnosed six years ago but I've noticed a massive increase in products and the range of things that are available and I think that's because more and more people are cutting gluten out Mm -hmm. whether it's medical or lifestyle but then the flip side of that is some people don't realize that there is a strict medical need so I think it's kind of good for lots of things and but then there's also the caution that some people might not take it seriously because some people just don't eat it out of choice so I'm kind of thankful at the same time (laughs) Melanie what motivates you I thought this was a really interesting question because I was like I don't know in general in life I quite like feeling good at things I I like feeling successful and like oh very proud of myself I like to make other people think oh yeah she's I think I care a lot about what people think making them feel proud or impressed or you know happy for me I think that really motivates me I've actually recently been promoted at work so I've been given an extra responsibility it's quite a big big leap so I'm still teaching history but I also get to be responsible for the progress of about 300 students and yeah so it's really like exciting and a bit daunting but I felt really like I suppose motivated to do really well because it's such a big job and it's quite a public role in the school so everyone knows like this person is responsible for these these children so I feel like that's been quite motivating because I want to do a good job I want people to think yeah she's she deserved that job and that's a danger though because I do worry what people think about me quite a lot which isn't always great but I do think it is quite motivating to think I want people to have a positive impression of me and and that kind of thing and feeling like I'm doing well I suppose. (laughs) 
Yeah, I see. I see. Earlier, you mentioned briefly on the support systems. Mm. Pretty much, what support systems do you have in place? We all need one anyway. I think my family are very supportive. When I was diagnosed, I'd moved back from university for a year and lived with my mum and dad. And my mum had, she bought all these new things like chopping boards and toasters and cooking utensils and one spoons because she was so concerned about that. So I know that my parents support me and are proud of me and everything. And obviously having good friends and they're the ones that are like, oh, I bought gluten-free things. And my partner's always very supportive. And again, like in restaurants and things, he'll be like, no, you can't eat that. So don't even risk it. It's not worth it. So I think having a good network of support is, you know, friends, family. And again, Instagram has been really useful, especially with travel. I think travel's been tricky because there's a language barrier. So if if you find it difficult to communicate in English to restaurants in this country, how, what you need, it's even, harder to go abroad and communicate mm. your needs so what i find really useful is looking at instagram um, i'm probably going to do some name dropping now go for it. Yeah, go <laughs> for some gluten free gluten free people on instagram and i see where they travel and i see what restaurants they go to and then i know that when i go to that country or that city i can go and follow where they've been because i know that it's safe so for example me and my partner went to amsterdam a couple of years ago and we went to a pancake house that did gluten free pancakes and we'd seen that on someone called gluten free alice and I knew that I could go to these places because I'd seen her do it. I felt quite reassured that that was safe. And then just loads of other people travel and I always check and I always make a note or I save it, you know, you can save things on Instagram. So I save those, so I can come back to them. So again, Instagram's been really, really useful because it's showing me things that I might not necessarily have known had I not been part of this community. Also with travel, there are things called gluten-free information cards. So you okay. can download this app on your phone and it tells you it has different languages, so it has like Arabic, Spanish, Cantonese, French, you know, Hebrew on there, Indonesian on there, and it has information about what celiac needs, but in the different languages. So if you go abroad and you could just show them the card rather than trying to explain it yourself, and they can read it in their native language, and then that helps them understand. Because I was in Bosnia and I didn't communicate very well and I ended up being really poorly. So I learned from that that I need to be really as clear as I can so that was really useful what's the number of the app it's called gluten free cards I think okay literally called the the GF card yeah because I'm sure even for me personally I'll find it useful yeah it is and when I get to travel yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I think especially countries where celiac's not really common so in Asian countries for example like Malaysia or Indonesia they don't really have celiac so they're a bit like oh okay um but they're so hospitable and they're so they want, they want to help, so they went away and they made me my own noodle dish, and that was fine. I just couldn't use any soy sauce, which it was still really tasty. But again, that helps with the, with the barrier. But I think I found out about those through Instagram. So again, having that, this is where social media can be really beneficial because it helped me find out about these things. So I definitely suggest, and again, people like Becky XL on there as well, because they post really interesting things and really useful things. And they've often got like cookbooks out as well. So they're always really, really good. I noticed, you know, you, you sh- you'd also share your recipes and stuff, which is, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I feel like I like cooking things. I'm not very good at creating my own, my own recipes. I quite like adapting other people's. I think recently I made a Jamie Oliver bargy burger. I think that was the most recent, one of my most recent posts. And he obviously used flour and brioche buns. And I just replaced it with gluten-free flour and gluten-free brioche buns. So if you know what you can substitute things for, that's fine but um yeah I really like cooking and I try and make my food look quite 
pretty. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I forget to take pictures. <laughs> it, I mean, it does look very, very creative. Oh, thank and, you. <laughs> um, and obviously, it's amazing how it looks so much fun. And, you know, because personally for me, in earlier on in my journey, it was, you know, hard. But right now, much, much better. And yeah. it was always the case of, oh, is, such, is it just more boring food? Again, like you mentioned earlier, you know, yeah. the supermarkets didn't have a wide variety. Whereas yeah. now there's much, much wider variety. And, you know, you can pretty much go on a dedicated aisle. That's yeah. all gluten-free and uh, different aspects of foods. But yeah. I think that's one of the things as well, like you can't eat anything and it has to just be like vegetables or meat and that's it. Whereas there is a whole range of things now and it can be mm -hmm. colourful, it can be tasty. And I feel like the highest compliment, if I make a cake, I love baking. Gluten-free cakes are a little bit more temperamental than normal cakes because they don't have the, glu <laughs> the glu gluten helps bind things together. Yeah. So that's why gluten-free bread's always really crumbly because it doesn't have the gluten to help it stick. So gluten-free baking was a bit of a thing to get used to and I still don't like making gluten-free pastry because it just rips and I get very frustrated but I think I'm pretty good at the cakes now and the highest compliment anyone can give me is oh it just tastes like a normal cake oh, <laughs> so okay. I know it must be good then if people just think oh it's a normal cake or a normal yeah. brownie or a normal biscuit it must be pretty well disguised so <laughs> that's always a high compliment it's just the thought for me and and that's what obviously I'm grateful we're having this conversation right now you know just the thought that eating the food that's very common, the ingredient that's very common in everybody's diet yeah. can actually harm you and pretty much, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, send you in a worse off state. It's interesting that food can be poison. As soon as you realise you can't eat it, you just see it everywhere. The flour is in everything or barley is in everything. Even uh, I remember opening a bottle of Vimto and it had barley in it. I was like, I wouldn't have even thought to have checked a fizzy drink because wow. it's just, you know, you don't realise what's in it and then you think oh for god's sake i can't have that yeah i even had a handful of crisps and before i even checked and they had flour in them and i thought like how crisps got flour in them but that was quite mm -hmm. recent so i was really annoyed at myself because i'm normally so careful and to consider six years i'm still making like silly little errors but i think it happens it happens to everybody and it's in, in the situation where you find yourself making a mistake how do you cope and how bad are the effects? Drinking lots of water, I think that helps. I have really bad tummy cramps and sometimes that can result in sort of diarrhea. So I often have, especially if I'm going away, I'll have probably diarrhea tablets on me <laughs> just because then in, in case of emergencies, but obviously it's better to let it pass through your system. I panic, panic sets in and I start to think it's almost a bit psychosomatic. You know, I almost start imagining my body starting to react and sometimes it's just me because I'm panicking. And again, just drink lots of water and it will pass. And sometimes I go a bit brain foggy and I sort of go a bit like, mm, I know exactly. I almost feel drunk, but it's not drunk. Yeah. So sometimes I go a bit like that. But everyone can be different. So some people break out in a rash. Some people, yeah, are, are really ill for a few days. So again, I think it just depends on your body's immune system and, and how strong it reacts. I forgot to mention, actually, I used to have eczema. I had eczema pretty much all the way up until about two years ago. Always really bad, like on my arms or back of my legs and sometimes on my neck. That's pretty much gone. So I don't know whether I grew out of it or whether it was gluten related, because sometimes you can affect your skin. But yeah, so some people can break out in sort of like rashes, very similar to eczema. So it, everyone's a bit different with that. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I'll be in my 30s by then. So <laughs> hopefully have a house, 
I'd like to have a solid, you know, teaching career and 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 have solid, you know, reputation for that. Um, maybe I don't know another promotion, but I think the main thing for the last two years, I've not been able to travel anywhere, so I've not been able to tick off things. I had a list of countries I wanted to travel to before I was mm-hmm. thirty, and obviously that's been a bit difficult <laughs> since Thanks for the pandemic. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I'd like to tick off some more places there i've got some goals i'd like to to get to certain places like like travel through africa south america get to australia so there i think that's probably something i'd like to to aim for is there any anything in particular you want to share be it any projects you're doing you'll expand more on your instagram instagram wise i've i've sort of neglected it because work's been so busy and it's kind of difficult when i get home at night and i'm like oh I forgot to take a picture of my food or so I'm always so hungry <laughs> so I'll just eat it and back off oh, take a picture again I need to sort of give that a bit more of an injection of life and, and post some more things on there I'm currently doing a master's as well actually in education so I'm, I've got my dissertation to do this year so that's my project until April and then just try and enjoy being out and about and being able to go places again that's hopefully on the list of things to do <laughs> what improvements if any do you think are needed in the care system and public knowledge of celiac disease? Uh, I thought this was a really good question. I think I probably alluded to it before. I think a distinction between people with celiac who need really strict gluten-free diets and the difference between people like me and people who are intolerant. I remember going to Nando's and asking, you know, saying it's an allergy order. And they said, oh, is it lifestyle or medical? And that really annoyed me and my partner because I didn't think that was a question that was relevant. I think if you say, I have to have gluten-free, you should treat every gluten-free order the same and it should be as if it was a celiac person ordering it. So I think that's something that's really important. I I think that awareness is key. And I think supermarkets are getting better with labelling things. So that's, that's definitely on the up. And yeah, I think restaurants and just making sure that restaurants are, are safe places to, you know, that they are meeting standards and celiac uk which is the charity linked to celiac disease they give accreditation to restaurants that are celiac safe which is great especially if you're starting out with celiac you don't know where to eat so places like pizza express are celiac accredited and they have a little symbol and it's like a gf with a knife and fork and um, oh, yeah. so if, if you're I've not sure that, where to yeah. yeah yeah if you're not sure where to eat when you're first starting out i think pizza express was the first place i went as a celiac Going somewhere like that is, is is really good. But obviously being a celiac that's confident to question and be like, right, how do you fry that? How do you cook that? Right, can you do that in a separate pan? And and not being afraid to ask. And again, I, I'm talking to myself here because I need to be a bit more like that. And I need to be a bit more confident and, and saying, right, well, you need to make sure you fry that. And I'm pretty sure I've probably had something that's not completely celiac safe and not known about it. So I think just not being afraid to ask questions, um, that's, that's sort of what I would advise. Because obviously this month there's celiac awareness going on. That's very interesting in that I did not know there's actually accreditations they give to you know food suppliers and providers, and that's that's refreshing to hear. Yeah, and I think if you're a member of celiac, I'm, I'm not a member, and I think I navigate it okay. But obviously, if you want to be a member of celiac UK, they send you your booklet, and it's what it's got every single sort of supermarket or anything and different products in those supermarkets that they 
they are safe. So again, if you're a bit nervous about starting out and not knowing what you can or cannot eat, then you can sign up to that and, and you get like a log of all the different food that they say is safe. And I think there's a number on there that you can ring if you're not sure and they can check it for you. Or there's an app and you can scan barcodes, but I think you have to be a member to access that. But again, that's always really useful if you're starting out and you're not sure what you can eat or where you can eat. I suggest that that's a good place to, to start. Brilliant. What would you say to your younger self about living with celiac? Because I was diagnosed at 21, I feel like I'd eaten, I'd, I'd had good experiences. It's not like I'd been celiac since, well, I've always been celiac, but I've never known it. People who get diagnosed at 10 years old or even younger, and they don't know anything different. So I felt right. like when I was 21 and I was being diagnosed, I had this horrible feeling I'd never be able to eat anything ever again and my life would be awful. And I remember having a big strop at my sister because <laughs> we were on holiday in, in Borneo. And this was, this was after I'd been diagnosed, but before I started eating gluten-free because I knew I was going on holiday and I knew that this would probably be the last time I could just go out and eat what I wanted. Yeah. I remember having a big strop at her being like, my life is so hard or I'll never eat anything ever again and you don't know what it's like. And I just think back and I think, oh, that was really embarrassing because <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously I can eat things. I can eat, I can eat delicious things. I can eat really, really well. So I think I'd go back to that moment when I was 21, having a big strop and say, it will be fine and you will have a lot of support and there is food out there that you can eat and there are places out there that you can go and eat and there is people on Instagram who will share delicious things and you will go and make those and you will still be able to travel. So it'll all be okay and everyone's going to be very helpful. So I'd go back and just be trying to reassure my 21-year-old stroppy self that it's not the end of the world. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And is there anything you want to share or talk about that we haven't covered or you want somebody to take away today? I think if anyone's listening and they, they've just been diagnosed, it is a bit scary and a bit intimidating and it will feel unusual to not just go out and just choose whatever you want off a menu. And that is tough and there are days where I think oh for god's sake I just wish I could just eat something and not have to question it or research it before I eat it so I understand but you'll adjust to it and it'll just become a habit and I don't think there's been a day in the last six years where I haven't used the word gluten-free I think I've said it pretty much every day it's annoying sometimes and there might be days where you just think oh for god's sake just give me just give me a piece of bread but it's fine and there are things out there that you can eat and there are things there are places you can go and they will they'll provide for you just ask lots of questions if you're not sure it's not worth worth it making yourself ill because you don't want to ask a question or you feel a bit shy or anxious if anyone is in manchester i've got some recommendations um of really good places so in manchester city center in the northern quarter there is a chinese restaurant called sweet mandarin and they have a complete separate kitchen where they make gluten-free chinese food and that is one of my favourite restaurants of all time. So please go there. Nice. Um, even if you're not celiac, they do really great Chinese food. There is a fish and chip shop in Didbury Village called, it was called Foster's, I think it's now called Anchors. They're on Instagram and they do gluten-free fish, uh, gluten-free jumbo sausage. I think their chips are gluten-free every day and they do gluten-free gravy. They even do battered halloumi. So they have gluten-free batter. So please go there if you mm. want a fish and chips. I uh, like fish and chips as well, so yeah. I like to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. and I think they're on Uber Eats and Deliveroo because I think I use them a lot during lockdown um, when I needed a takeaway. And there is Honest Burger as well on, um, I think it's Bridge Street in Manchester. So Honest Burger, they are pretty much all gluten-free. You need to specify if you need a gluten-free bun, but they have gluten-free gravy. Their chips are amazing. They're gluten-free. They have gluten-free onion rings. 
So Honest Burger, I recommend as well. And also in Disbury, in West Disbury, there is a, I think it's Middle Eastern food, uh, like Iranian Lebanese food called pomegranate. And everything there pretty much is gluten-free. They don't use any flour in their kitchen. And they have bread, they have naan bread, which you can't eat, or like flatbread that, that, that you can't eat, yeah. but it's kept separate. So everything else in that kitchen is absolutely fine. It is absolutely gorgeous. So they are some recommendations. If anyone's thinking, I really want to eat out, but I'm not sure we're safe, they're really, really good places that you can eat. And there's a variety there. So obviously you've got burgers and Chinese food. So there are some suggestions. <laughs> and Brilliant, brilliant. And we'll certainly add um, the links as well. And yep. obviously we'll put the link, uh, Feed the Celiac. Feed the Celiac. <laughs> as a, your Instagram name, um, so that people can access as well and contact you. you as well if they have any questions and tips yeah. and guidance with regards to living with a illness. No, thank you. That would be great. I do get some messages saying, thank you, I've just moved to the area and I've used your feed and it's been really useful. So I'm glad that that's helping some people because I find other people on Instagram really useful. So if I can be useful to anybody, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> thank you, Melanie, for sharing your story and highlighting the impact of living with celiac. I have gained insight on food labelling and importance of knowing the ingredients also, understanding different terminologies such as gluten-free, wheat-free, and being celiac. You can find out more about the disease by visiting www.celiac.org.uk, which is a charity on celiac, or Instagram at celiacuk. Also, check out Melanie's Instagram at feedtheceliac, where you will find all her work and recommendations we discussed on this episode. If you'd like to get involved with the Silent Elephant Project and talk to myself about living with or caring for someone with a life-limiting health condition, please get in touch with us through our social media at FresherBCIC or simply visit our website freshrb.com. Looking forward to hearing from you.